awesome. Dear friends, welcome to worship on this fourth Sunday in the season of Advent. What a privilege and a joy it is to come together in the name of Jesus. Amen? He is our King of glory, and we gather this morning in his name. Advent is about the coming of Jesus. His first coming as a humble servant to save, and his second future coming as an exalted Lord to gather all those he has rescued. The psalmist once said, none who wait for the Lord shall be put to shame. And so we wait and watch for Jesus together. We are eager to lift up our hearts to the Lord and to receive from his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. So again, welcome to worship. My name is David, and I'm the associate pastor here at First Pres. Welcome to those of you who are here with us in the sanctuary, and also welcome to those with us via the live stream. And a special welcome to you if you are with us this morning as a guest. My prayer for you is that you will know the gentleness and generosity of our Lord with us this morning. Please don't leave today without grabbing one of the welcome bags, which is available in Murray Commons back there. And whether you are a member, a friend, or a guest, please make a point of filling out the Connect slip at some point during the service, and then leave it in the pew. You can find those in the back of the pew in front of you, right next to the Bibles and the hymnals. And then one last logistical point, if you would please make a point of silencing your cell phone as we begin this morning, that would be helpful to our musicians and to our singers and to all the other worship leaders here with us. Before we lift our voices in our opening song, I would invite you to take a moment and to be still and to quiet your heart before the Lord. Take a deep breath, remember why we're here, and then hear these words of Psalm 25 and make this prayer your own. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. For you, O Lord, we wait this morning. Brothers and sisters, would you please stand and join in singing, Jesus, come, quickly come.
love. Hear God's word from the prophet Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel, the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We wait for the day when Jesus will come and bring his kingdom of love to the earth. On that day, all will be well as we bask in the steadfast love of our God. Even so, we have already begun experiencing this love. For the virgin has born a son. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. John says it this way. Here is how God shows his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world. He sent him so we could receive life through him. Here is what love is. It is not that we loved God. It is that he loved us and sent his son to give his life to pay for our sins. Dear friends, since God has loved us so much, we should also love one another. Held by his love, we cry, Jesus, come, quickly come.
and wonders of his glorious love. Isn't it amazing how words like love and joy, peace, hope, seem to be in the air this time of year? Everywhere you go, the store, the office, school concerts, you can't get away from these words. We sing carols to the wonders of God and to his love. Carols like joy to the world. We sing of baby Jesus coming, to redeem, coming with redeeming grace and salvation. We hear that it's love that caused God to send Jesus. Yet sometimes we might wonder, can anything separate us from the love Christ has for us? There it is. That's the question. Here's what we want to know. We want to know how long God's love will endure. Now, Paul could have begun with this one. Does God really love us forever? Not just on Easter Sunday when our shoes are shined and our hair is fixed. We want to know deep within, don't we really want to know how does God feel about me when I'm a jerk? Not when I'm peppy, positive, ready to take on world hunger. Not then. I know how he feels about me then. I mean, even I like me then. I want to know how he feels about me when I snap at everything that moves and when my thoughts are in the gutter when my tongue is sharp enough to slice a rock, how does he feel about me then? That's the question. Can anything separate us from the love that Christ has for us? Well, God answered our question before we asked it. And so that we'd see his answer, he lit the sky with a star. So we'd hear it, he filled the night with a choir, and so we'd believe it, he did what no one had ever dreamed. He became flesh and dwelt among us. He placed his hand on the shoulder of humanity and said, you're something special. The star maker turns to us one by one, and says, you are my child. I love you dearly. I'm aware that someday you will turn and walk away from me. But I want you to know that I've already provided you a way back. And to prove it, he did something really extraordinary. Stepping from a throne he removed his robe of light and wrapped himself in skin. Pigmented human skin. The light of the universe entered a dark, wet womb. He whom angels worship nestled himself in the placenta of a peasant. He was birthed into the cold night and then slept on hay. 
the one beyond all splendor, for love's sake, became poor. The one beyond all praising, for love's sake, became man. Nail stabbed and bleeding. 
That's your sin I'm feeling. That's your death I'm dying. That's your resurrection I'm living. That's how much I love you. That's why I've come. It's because of the Father's love for you. Can anything come between you and me, asks the Son. Hear the answer and stake your future on these triumphant words from Romans 8. I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor ruling spirits, nothing now, nothing in the future, no powers, nothing above us, nothing below us, nor anything else in the whole world will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord.
Well, good morning, everybody. Wonderful to see you. Merry Christmas to all of you. So I had the privilege this last week to go on the best school field trip ever with my son, Jonathan. We went with his school and many, many other schools in the Chicagoland area. We went to a daytime game of the Chicago Wolves hockey team. And the All-State Arena was filled with elementary and middle school students from all around the Chicagoland area. And I got to tell you, it was loud. <laughs> My ears are still ringing from the sixth grade girls that were right behind me. And, and why it was so loud is not necessarily because of the game. I, I don't know how many people actually cared about the game. The Wolves lost 6-3 to three to the Dallas, Star, or Dallas Stars. But what was really exciting, the most exciting thing was the Jumbotron. Um, you know how you go to games and when there's a lull, the cameras kind of pan the crowd and then they zero in on people. So the first time this happened, the kids were like, like, this could, I could be on the Jumbotron? This is amazing. And so every, like, they were just making noise the whole time. And they would get whole sections of people to like stand up and cheer and raise their hands and scream and yell and all of this stuff. And finally, with like two minutes left in the game, ACS, our school, actually got recognized on the Jumbotron and everybody went crazy. Here's the thing. Here's what I noticed. So there was all of this noise and all of this screaming to get onto the Jumbotron, but then there were two things that happened. I noticed two different reactions that happened when you actually got the camera trained on you and you were on the Jumbotron. And the first reaction was this. You know how, okay, so like if we had a, if those cameras were out here panning you and you could see what was going on on this screen, there's that moment when you see, your, you're looking at the screen, not the camera, and you see yourself on the screen, and then you're like, oh, I'm on the screen. And then you're like, where's the camera? Where's the camera? And you're looking for the camera, and it's so funny because you see people like going crazy, looking all around to find the camera, and there's that one guy who knows exactly where the camera is, and he's like, yeah, and he's on the screen. But you got to look at the camera, not the screen, in order to look normal on the screen. And that's tricky. So that's the first thing. So kids just going, where am I? Where am I? Where's the camera? The second one is this. Can you, can you anticipate what the second reaction was? Usually middle school girls is what I observe. Cam making noise. Hey, come over here. Come over here. Come over here. And they see themselves on the screen. And what do they do? <laughs> oh, don't look at me. Oh. <laughs> Don't look at me. It was an interesting experiment. When the camera shines on you, what do you do? The reality is, we all want to be seen by others, and we don't. All at the same time. Do you know that what it, how we are made, we are made from the very beginning. We are created by God to crave being seen. 
From the moment of birth, we are imprinted with more neurons for recognizing mother's face than anything else. And then as we grow, not only mama's face, but other faces of people who love us and whom we love. We're built that way from the very moment we arrive in the world. In fact, this whole thing about neurons and recognizing and being known and seeing, like, you can look at somebody's face and you can see the emotion. And you can actually feel that emotion inside of you by looking on another person's face. That's called motor mirroring neurons. Uh, anybody watch any football yesterday? Uh, sometimes when you're watching football or, or any kind of sport, you see somebody get rolled up on and they might get their ankle twisted or their knee twisted. Anybody ever have the, the, the experience where you're watching something and you see a knee go like this and you go, oh, man, I do that all the time. I don't know if my knees are weak or what, but I feel in my... You know what? That's not some psychosomatic thing. That's how we're made. Those are motor neurons that mirror another's emotion and even another's pain. We are made to be seen and to see others. Anybody got a phone on them? Those glowing rectangles? Those glowing rectangles are amazing. Uh, we can do all kinds of stuff with those. Um, but more and more and more studies are coming out that are showing us that those glowing rectangles actually grab and rob our attention from the faces of other human beings, from the faces of the people that we love the most. Um, I was listening to a, a, a podcast the other day, the Russell Moore Show. It was on the 14th of December, so it's totally fresh. He was, uh, he was interviewing Andy Crouch, and Andy Crouch is a Christian uh, thinker and apologist and thinks a lot about culture, thinks a lot about technology and healthy uses of technology as followers of Jesus. How do we think about how, do, how we use all of this stuff? And he was helping his daughter... Uh, who is, uh, in her early 20s, write a book about the effect of technology in her generation. And so they were doing different studies and looking at different things, and this was non-scientific, but here's what, what they found in, in writing this book. The number one thing teenagers said when asked about what they wish they could change about their relationship with their parents was this. Number one, I wish my parents would spend less time on their screens and more time talking to me. Yes. In, in, in the, another vignette in the book is um, many people had to work from home uh, over the last few years, and some people continue to do that. Uh, in a vignette of a mom, busy, loves her daughter, trying to get stuff done, looking at her laptop, and her, and her two-year-old daughter was trying to get her attention. Mom, mom, mama, mama, mama. And her, two, and her two-year-old daughter inserted her face, interposed her face between her mother's eyes and her mother's screen. And she said, listen to me. And mom was like, oh my gosh, I didn't even hear her. Those glowing rectangles rob us, can rob us of what we're made for. And that is our very human 
attachment. One, one more thing. This is I'm not bashing social uh, media. I'm really not. Uh, but I just think it's interesting because we've created these things, and even the creators of these things are starting to see the disruption in people's lives. Did you know that the maker of the like button on Facebook has eliminated the Facebook newsfeed from her own computer? The, the, in, the engineer who invented the like button has eliminated Facebook from her newsfeed. Tony Fidel is the guy who invented many years ago the iPod. Tony Fidel. And he was intimately involved in the, in the creation of the iPhone. And he said this, quote, I wake up in cold sweats at night asking, what did we bring into the world? God sees you. God made you with all of your motor neurons, with all of their capacity to mirror other people and emotion and pain and joy. He made you. And he loves you. God loves you. Here's what God brought into the weary world. Tony Fidel brought an iPhone, which he regrets. Here's what God brought into the weary world. He brought himself. He brought himself. Listen again. Uh, listen for the first time to Matthew chapter 1, verses 20 through 23. Joseph has heard from Mary, his betrothed, the one that he has been promised to, the one into which he is engaged, that she now is bearing a child and he doesn't know how that has happened and so he is troubled in his spirit trouble enough to divorce her quietly to just let her go and an angel of the Lord appears to him and says Joseph son of David verse 20 do not fear to take Mary as your wife for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit it's from God she will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus. Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, prophet Isaiah, 700 years before this, who says this, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. In this passage, there, there are two names for Jesus. One's more of a title, Emmanuel. It's a name, name title. The other one is Jesus. Emmanuel means God with us. And Jesus means God saves, delivers, rescues us. In Jesus, God has come to be right here, right here beside us in order to save us. God, he didn't, when he had something to say to us, he didn't send uh, angels, he didn't play a song, he didn't put a message on a jumbotron, he wrapped himself in flesh and came in close, right here, right beside us. In his name, Jesus, 
means that he came to save, not, not only to, to empathize or to care, to listen or to help or to assist or applaud. Jesus does all the things, but he does more than that. He came to save, to rescue, to deliver us. Uh, in, in the Matthew passage, it says to save us from our sins. He will save his people from their sins. He came to deliver us from our rebel hearts that demand our own way. And friends, how many of us know following those ways only leads to brokenness and separation from God? Jesus, the one whose name means God saves, he came to bleed and to die in our place in order to cover our sin with his precious beautiful cleansing blood that we might have standing before the Father. But he also came to rise that we can live forever with the Father. So here's the amazing thing about Christmas. This, this, is, this is it. God comes in flesh to deliver us and to save us for himself. Following Jesus, Emmanuel, means turning from our own way and trusting in his work. The result in us is healing and peace for our rebel hearts and peace with God the Father for eternity. And it also means assurance. No matter what, our God is near us. He's not far off. He's here. He's right here beside us. You know what that means? When the sun is shining, Emmanuel, God with us. When it's pouring, Emmanuel, God with us. When the diagnosis is not good, Emmanuel, God with us. When your job is a grind and you would rather do anything else but you can't, Emmanuel, God with us. When you don't know what to do, or even when you do, Emmanuel, God with us. Friends, Christmas means that God has come. God is here. Look to him and do not be afraid. Jesus is Emmanuel.
salvation in your wings you've come that we might breathe the air of new life and that we might have the assurance that you are always and forever present thank you Lord in the name of Christ amen God is with us Right beside us, Emmanuel, Jesus has come. Hallelujah. Amen? Amen. Yeah. I wonder what it would be like to still be waiting for God's promised son to come. Now, Simeon was an old man when he received a very special promise from God. The promise? You will not die until you've seen the coming of the Messiah. For an elderly Jew and a man of faith, there was no greater promise. So Simeon waited. And he waited. And he waited. He waited for God to fulfill his word. We really don't know what Simeon was expecting. Perhaps he was looking for a king who would come in great glory. Perhaps Simeon kept his eyes focused on the skies, waiting for the clouds to part and reveal a great and glorious king. Perhaps Simeon was expecting a warrior. Well, we don't know what he was expecting, but we do know what he got a baby wrapped in rags with paupers for parents. He got Jesus. 
There he is, Simeon, the promised one. My promise of salvation fulfilled. That holy baby in his mother's arms will save the world. Now, Simeon was wise to expect the unexpected from the Lord, so he went straight to Joseph and Mary, and he took Jesus, and he held him in his arms. And as he embraced his deliverer, he said, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace. As you have promised, I have seen your salvation which you have prepared for all people. He is the light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. It was good to, and good news to finally be able to embrace the promised one. But far and away, the best news of all is that he embraces us. He invites us into his life. That is the reason for his coming. Deep in Simeon's old faithful heart, he knew that the infant he held in his arms was in truth the one who had been holding him all his life long.
the interstate stopped. I can't see what's ahead. Is it a wreck? Construction? I check the map on my phone. A thick red line stretches for over a mile. We're going to be here for a while. My kids begin to kick the seats in front of them with boredom. We're all a little tired. We need to get home soon or my kids will be cranky. Arrive home starving, get a late bath, and be late for bed. And there goes my hope of a little downtime. Why do people honk in traffic? No one can go any faster. We're all stuck. But you know, if my feelings made sounds, they'd be honking too. I'm impatient. I live in an instant world where I'd like to think I'm the captain of the clock. I live with the illusion that time, my time at least, is something I can control. Of course, if I knew how long I have left to live, if the length of my remaining days could be counted in weeks, I'd begin to understand that time is not in my control. In my frenetic life, I forget how to slow down and wait. I'm not a farmer who waits for the harvest. I'm not a midwife who waits for babies to come. When my computer moves too slowly, seconds really, I murmur, this is taking forever. For the good of my soul, I need to feel what it's like to wait, to let the moments march past. Hmm. And here I am, plunged into an ancient spiritual practice in the middle of the freeway, forced, against my will, to practice waiting. Christians are people who wait. We live in the in-between of the already and the not yet. Jesus has come, the Savior of the world, born once in royal David city. And we're waiting for his coming again, when our eyes at last shall see him through his own redeeming love. We dwell in the meantime. We wait. I wait for glory, for the coming king, for the resurrection of the body. Sitting in traffic, stuck, is one of the very few times in my day where I embody the true state of my whole human existence, on the way, already but not yet, living as a creature in the in-between, waiting. Come, Lord Jesus.
babe born in David's city slipped into this world in a brief moment, a remarkable moment. God come near us. God with us to show us his overflowing and unending love. God wrapped in flesh. There will be another moment. We wait for the moment when the world will see an instantaneous transformation. You see, in becoming man, God made it possible for man to see God. When Jesus went home, he left the back door open. We shall all be changed, the scripture says, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. With the exception of a few shepherds, the first coming of Jesus in Bethlehem went largely unnoticed by the world. But you can be sure that his second coming will transform this ravaged world. And in love, he will make all things new. So, Father, finish then thy new creation. Pure and spotless let us be. Let us see thy great salvation perfectly restored in thee. Changed from glory into glory till in heaven we take our place. Till we cast our crowns before thee, lost in wonder, love, and praise.
God's people said, Amen. Amen. Would you thank the Lord for Elizabeth, Alicia, our musicians, and our choir? Wonderful. And also some special applause to our children and mom choir. Yeah. At 10.30 downstairs is our uh, final, fourth and final, uh, multi-generational Advent uh, Sunday time, Sunday class time. Um, it has been a wonderful journey through Advent, and if you haven't been able to take part, uh, please consider coming downstairs at, at 10.30, and please do so. On Christmas Eve, which is next Saturday, uh, we will be worshiping at 4 and 8 o'clock. 4 o'clock is our uh, family Christmas Eve service geared to families with younger children, and the 8 o'clock is a traditional lessons and carols service. Christmas morning, as well as New Year's morning, we will not have Sunday classes, and we will worship at 10 o'clock. And as I said last week, feel free to come in your jammies on Christmas morning at 10 o'clock. I won't be in my jammies, but you can feel free to do so. We're going to have uh, just a wonderful kind of intimate time of worship uh, on, uh, on Christmas morning and, and uh, worship our newborn king. So 10 a.m., Christmas Day, and New Year's Day. Friends, as you prepare to leave this time of worship, receive this benediction. Our Lord Jesus, who is Emmanuel, he is with you. As you go from this place to whatever it is that you are doing next in your day or this week, know that because Jesus is Emmanuel, he is always right beside you. Right here beside. He walks with you. He leads you. His spirit is within you. Follow him and know that you, in Christ, you are never alone. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, all the people of God declare, Amen. Amen. Mm -hmm.